Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write us a review and rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening to this on, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them, so please reach out via Facebook or on email, as I'd love to answer your questions. You can find my Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. In today's episode, we are continuing our discussion on planetary magic and we will be discussing the sphere of Venus. Venus is an extremely important sphere from the point of view of Earth as it is the second closest to the Sun and also after the moon it is the brightest planetary body in the sky and has always been seen with really significant importance since the dawn of the ages as being the the ruler of natural magic of love of pleasure and sensuality and also the sphere of netzach on the tree of life the picatrix describes venus as the following and i wanted to quote Venus is cold and moist and a fortune. She signifies cleanliness, splendour, preciousness, word games, delight in music, joy, adornments, laughter, pictures, beauty, loveliness, playing music by the voice or stringed instruments, delighting in marriage, desiring spices and things that have good odours, sending dreams, provoking games of chess and dice, desiring to lie with women and to fall in love with them and receiving promises from them, desiring to appear beautiful, loving liberty, magnanimity of heart and joy. She abhors anger, brawling, vengeance and lawsuits. She desires to serve the desires and wills of friends concerning the world's opinion, tends towards false promises, is inclined to cupidity, desires to drink much, incessantly desires much copulation and of shameful kinds, and to do it in inappropriate places. Delighting in animals and women and children, in making them good, making things equal, delighting in merchants and living with them, and being loved by their women, and that they may be delighted by men. When she is well received, she plays a part in the making of crowns, building stables and working in stone, having sweet speech, disdaining the world and having no fear of it, sustaining people so that neither anger, strife or discord can be felt by them. It designates a weak heart and a weak will in lawsuits and combat and signifies desire for all beautiful combinations of things which may be in conformity with the will, making colours and labouring diligently in skills involving them. Selling merchandise, spices and prayers, those who observe the religious law and those who adhere to sciences and philosophies of forbidden kinds. And that's just a quick uh, overview of Venus from the Picatrix. Um, I mentioned the Picatrix quite a lot in some of these podcasts. Um, it's a grimoire um, 
based on well mainly talking about planetary magic and there's quite a lot of interesting stuff in there um word of caution it, there is an awful lot of very dark stuff in there as well so i'm not suggesting people go out and um play around with it but it's interesting um looking back at some of these magicians views on on the different planets and how they kind of attributed the different powers and things like that and i think some of the things that they talk about here are very relevant from that point of view of venus Denning and Phillips, they wrote an excellent book called Planetary Magic, which I can't recommend enough. Um, and they describe Venus as the following. Joyous, benign, good luck with love or with money, kindness and affection, all that makes for concord, the beauty and vitality of the natural world and all artistic and congenial surroundings express the influence of this sphere, Music, dancing, happy love, and all the reconciliations of differences. Harmony. Synthesis. And that's a quote from Denning and Phillips's Planetary Magic, which I would highly recommend if people want to kind of take this further. As mentioned before, Venus is the brightest star in the sky, and from the perspective of Earth, she was known in ancient times as both the morning star and the evening star as the planet could be seen at both times shining very brightly. The ancient Babylonians called the planet Ishtar and the Greeks associated Venus with the goddess of love, which was Aphrodite. And they also called it Phosphorus, which means light bearer, and Hesperus, which means dusk star. The name Phosphorus is obviously associated by the ancient gods, um, ancient Greeks, sorry, with the goddess Hecate, who holds traditionally two torches, one symbolising the morning and the other the evening star. And it was also attributed to Lucifer in the Christian tradition as well. Venus is the planet that rules Friday. Um, Friday obviously is being named after Frey, who was the Norse goddess, Freya's day. And this is very relevant when we think about Friday as being the, the day when people used to go out and celebrate and party um, before the fun days of um, lockdown uh, but don't worry it will come back I'm sure it will it's the brightest star in the sky and it's bright because it has a continuous greenhouse effect so it causes this huge thick atmosphere which creates this very dazzling light in which is why it's very much associated with jets and jewels and finery and luxury Venus is the only planet with a day or a full rotation on its axis longer than its year so a day on Venus is equivalent to 243 Earth days, whilst a year or one complete orbit around the sun is, is roughly 225 days. So if, if you were on Venus, the sun would appear, would rise in the west and set in the east. And that's quite an interesting idea that obviously everything's reversed from that point of view. And that's very similar to the experience we have when we are in love or we feel passion or you know, that strong kind of honeymoon period when you're first in a relationship with someone new, there's there's the, this real kind of blindness and you're kind of blinded by the passion and the, the kind of fun to a certain extent. And um, that might be why Venus is very much associated with luxury and, and sensuality. Because Venus is really, it's about taking things slowly, but also taking things completely the other way, the other way from everything else. The sun rises on the western horizon, obviously, which gives this kind of idea of um, 
you know the evening what happens in the evening it's 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 fun time it's you know going out for dinner um sex love and sensuality and different types of love and there is actually a lot of different types of of love if we look at the ancient greeks so you have things like agape which is spiritual love you've got eros which is physical love storge which was family love and philia which was friendship and obviously venus would govern all of those different types of love and really kind of encourage us to be lovers in all different ways that we can so not just to not just in the sort of sexual sense but lovers of ourselves lovers of our family lovers of our home lovers of our hearth lovers of our pets lovers of our community lovers of our world so it's about this love and its connection and you know making friends and re-establishing old connections with friends from a traditional astrological point of view, Venus rules two zodiac signs, which is Libra and Taurus. Um, Taurus, um, obviously an Earth sign. Venus is very much seen as like this goddess of this Earth of the Earth. So you can think of, um, you know, physical pleasure really, and and also the idea of luxury comes very much closely to Taurus. So you've got money and wealth, and Venus can be used in conjunction with. Taurus as a sort of magnet for attracting things like that. You also obviously get Libra, which is, you know, the goddess of art and relationships and and that type of thing. And it's also an air sign. So you've got earth and air, and there's this emphasis on that communication between lovers or friends as well. Lots of friendships tend to break down, and this is really kind of building that up. Um, both Libra and Taurus are also associated quite closely with the colour green and also the metal um, copper as well and both of those metals are closely associated with Venus and green is obviously the colour of nature so it's the leaves on the trees, the grass, you know all the beautiful beautiful things in nature and that's a very kind of close thing to to the Venus feeling I feel as well it's that real kind of amazing beauty, that feeling of energy, particularly in the springtime when all everything's bursting into life and all the shoots are, are shooting out of the ground, the apples are starting to ripen and the birds are mating, etc. It's this feeling of this real feeling of love and just expansiveness, and that's very much a something that you get with Venus. From an astrological point of view, the Venus planetary cycle starts on December the 6th until January the 26th. Um, so it's right in the middle of winter, which is obviously quite strange. But obviously, you know, you've got things like Christmas and, you know, Hanukkah and other, you know, celebrations, Yule from the pagan perspective. And it's very much this feeling of that light, that party in the darkness. So it's bringing everyone together, bringing families together. Um, you know, Christmas and Yule is traditionally a time when all the family gets together, and you know, some some families it's the only time they get together, and and not all, everyone enjoys it to be fair either. But um, you know, there is an effort made at Christmas to be with family, and in some ways, you could say that is to do with that nice idea of Venus. It's bringing everyone together to stand around that fire to share presents to eat together. You know. Um. And from a personal point of view, the, the personal Venus period would normally start so 260 days after our birthday, so it would last around 52 days. From a Kabbalistic perspective, there's also a couple of other um, 
couple of other uh, correspondences I wanted to quickly run through. So the Archangel is, nor- is Uriel often or Haniel, um, depending on your kind of viewpoint. The Golden Dawn used to attribute it, Haniel to it, um, but Uriel is also um, attributed into into the sphere of Netzach, which is attributed to Venus. The angelic order is the Elohim, or the order of principalities. The planetary spirit is Kedemel. The planetary intelligence is Hagiel. And the order of demons is the Furies, or seminaries of evil. From the point of view of mythology, um, Venus is, there's obviously lots of different gods and goddesses, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but I just wanted to mention, mention a few of them. Um, the first one I wanted to talk about is Aphrodite. Aphrodite has lots of different titles. She was known as the Most Holy One, the Victorious One, Adononia, She Who Is To Be Adored, Queen of Love, Anadomaneo, The Foamborn, She Whose Footfall Is In Music, She Of The Flower. Aphrodite was the ancient Greek goddess of love, beauty, desire and also sexuality and there's lots of different stories about Aphrodite where she would um, entice gods and men into affairs with her through her beautiful looks and she was meant to have been born near Cyprus um, from the severed genitalia of the god Uranus and Aphrodite had much significance really from a traditional view as a goddess so she was actually worshipped by men, women and and obviously city-state officials and she played quite a key role in commerce and politics as well. Which is quite interesting if you think about she was the goddess of love but then actually think about it, lots of business, lots of commerce does rely on relationships, it's built on relationships. And if you have a bad relationship, a bad personal relationship, you're unlikely to be able to do business together. So you can see how that would really fit in. Love does not necessarily just mean sexual love. It means uh, a love for a business partner, potentially, and a good relationship. There's a beautiful hymn to Aphrodite um, by the ancient Greek poet Sappho, which I just wanted to read. Immortal Aphrodite of the shimmering throne, daughter of Zeus, weaver of wiles, I pray thee crush not my spirits with anguish and distress, O Queen, but come hither, if ever before thou didst hear my voice afar, and hearken, and leaving the golden house of thy father, camest with chariot yoked, and swift birds drew thee, their swift pinions fluttering over the dark earth, from heaven through mid-space. Quickly they arrived, and thou blessed one with immortal countenance, smiling didst ask, What now is befallen me, and why now I call, and what I in my heart's madness most desire? What fair one now wouldst thou draw to love thee? Who wrongs thee, Sappho? For even if she flies, she shall soon follow, and if she rejects gifts, shall soon offer them, and if she loves not, shall soon love, however reluctant. Come, I pray thee now, and release me from my cruel cares, and let my heart accomplish all it desires, and be thou my ally. 
and that's a um, hymn to Aphrodite by the poet Sappho, who was an ancient Greek poet. The next goddess I wanted to talk about is Venus, obviously the, the official name of the planet, so very important. She was known by lots of different titles, so Lady of the Gardens, Protector of the Vine, Giver of Life, Giver of Delight, Queen of Love and Beauty. In Roman mythology, Venus was the goddess of love, sex, beauty and fertility, and she was really the Roman equivalent of the Greek Aphrodite. Um, however, the, the Roman Venus is slightly different um, to Aphrodite because she tends to have much more warlike characteristics. So she's a goddess of victory, fertility and even prostitution in some accounts. If we read Hesiod's Theogony, um, Aphrodite was meant to have been born from the foam of the sea after Saturn, who was the Greek Kronos, castrates his father Uranus and his blood falls into the sea. And it's probably this story that uh, explains the various different depictions of Venus arising from the sea in a clam. So, for instance, you've got Botticelli's Milo, Milo de Venus um, painting, which is, is is typical of that. There's a the goddess rising out of the sea in a clam. Elevus Levi, who's a famous um, magician from um, a French magician from the 19th century. Um, and he wrote various different, um, you know, very interesting books. The Dogma and Ritual of High Magic is one of his famous ones, but there's various other ones as well. And he actually talks about Venus um, being quite closely related to the Empress Tarot card, which I think that definitely fits in with my experience of it from the past, um, from doing meditations on this, because... Um, it is very much this this Venusian energy, and if you look at the the Rider Weight deck, the um, Empress actually does have the symbol of Venus incorporated into the image. And I just wanted to quote from Eliphas Levi on that: "The Empress, a woman, winged, crowned, seated, and uplifting a scepter with the orb of the world at its end, her sign as an eagle, image of the soul and of life." She is the Venus Urania of the Greeks and was represented by St. John in his Apocalypse as the woman clothed with the sun, crowned with twelve stars and having the moon beneath her feet. She is the mystical quintessence of the triad. She is spirituality, immortality, the queen of heaven. And that's a quote from Eliphas Levi talking about the Empress Tarakod which I think is a really good energy um, to work with from the perspective of Venus. Um, because if you really dwell on that, there is this real feeling of love, but not just sexual love or attraction or desire. It's things, it's just, it's just love for everything and a connection and building those relationships and rebuilding relationships with people that you might have necessarily moved on or, you know, maybe you've, maybe you've lost friendships when you shouldn't have done you know so sometimes it's it's that it's about kind of building that relationship up another goddess i wanted to talk about is ishtar who was um one of the sumerian or mesopotamian goddesses and very much closely related to love and war she has various different titles she's known as queen of the morning and of the evening divine lover and giver of life and she was really the sort of primary Mesopotamian goddess 
uh, connected with love and desire and passion, but also battle. This powerful Mesopotamian goddess is the first known deity for which we have written evidence and was really important in the religions and cultures of the ancient Near East. She's also one of the most famous Mesopotamian goddesses and her influence was really kind of embedded in you know whole areas and all all within people's lives as well and she was revered right across the the Near East for a period spanning thousands of years um, and she had a cult in Uruk which um, was as early as the fourth late fourth millennium BCE so very early there's a really great and beautiful story of Ishtar's descent into the underworld which tells the story of the goddess's journey to the underworld in the in the story um, this is inhabited by her sister Erish Kigal and the descent of Inanna is really quite a good illustration of some of these aspects of Venus um, because it's this idea of this this star kind of descending really and bringing that light down into the darkness and and then bring it back up as well so it's very much this kind of initiatory story as well and I just wanted to quote from the descent of Inanna from the great above she set her mind towards the great below the goddess from the great above she set her mind toward the great below Inanna from the great above she set her mind towards the great below my lady abandoned heaven abandoned earth to the netherworld she descended Inanna abandoned heaven abandoned earth to the netherworld she descended abandoned lordship abandoned ladyship to the netherworld she descended she adorned herself with her queenly robes and jewels. Seven divine decrees she fastened at her belt. She was ready to enter the land of no return, the netherworld of death and darkness, governed by her enemy and sister goddess, Erish Kigal. And um, in the story, she basically descends, and there's various different kind of reasons why she does this. It seems most likely she she's she's essentially wants to kind of increase her powers by going on this kind of initiatory journey into the underworld. She travels through seven gates of the underworld, and obviously seven is the number of um, the Sephira of Netzach on the on the Tree of Life. So straight away we've got that connection with Venus from that point of view. At each gate, she removes an item of clothing or one of these, you know, jewels, and she finally arrives naked before her sister Erish Kigal, who is the queen of the netherworld, and who then kills her. The death of the goddess of love um, leaves her trapped in the underworld, and she needs rescuing. So, with the assistance of one of her companions, who's Ninshuba, Ishtar is revived, and through the assistance of the Sumerian Enki or Ea, who was one of the gods she is. Um, yeah, she's brought back brought back up and um, and then following their long search, her consort Tammuz is also sent to the underworld in her place. And um, as I said, there's obviously you know lots of different symbolism with this and we don't have enough time to go into it in detail, but obviously the underworld She's descending, it's an initiatory journey. 
it's the number seven she's the goddess of love and it's kind of removing these these layers of luxury at each at each step which is very much an initiatory process because it's like i'm taking this off i'm taking this off i'm taking this off and that is the really kind of revealing that inner robe of glory that spirit pure spiritual essence which is really the kind of essence of venus so although it's the planet of luxury and love when all that is stripped away um pure love and that's what remains um the other goddess i wanted to talk about briefly was hathor as well who is an egyptian goddess associated with love and venus and all of this like great stuff from that point of view she has lots of different titles as well she's known as the house of heaven mother of light the golden goddess she who is adorned with the stars bearer of the sistrum lady of the sycamore of the south um hathor is yeah as I said she's an ancient egyptian goddess quite closely related to isis and also with sekhmet as well who's one of the famous um cats or lion goddesses Hathor is usually depicted as a woman with the head of a cow and the ears of a cow or simply in a cow form and in her form as Hesat she is shown as a white cow carrying a tray of food on her head as her udders flow with milk. Hathor is closely associated with the primeval divine cow which is Mehet Hueret who's a sky goddess whose name means great flood and who was thought to bring the inundation of the Nile River, which fertilises the land. And there's a really beautiful poem um, about Hathor, which was meant to have been written in connection with her, which goes as follows. Come, my soul, swim to me. The water is deep in my love, which carries me to you. We are midst of the stream. I clasp the flowers to my breast, which is naked and drips with water. But the moon makes them bloom like the lotus. I give you my flowers because they are beautiful and you are holding my hand in the middle of the water. And that's a poem about Hathor. From the point of view of magical practice and spiritual work, um, obviously lots of stuff associated with Venus is associated with, with love and attractions that's things like attracting lovers and friends but also obviously including self-love and healing cornelius agrippa uh, describes venus as the following from venus a fervent love most sweet hope the motion of desire order concupiscence beauty sweetness desire of increasing and propagation of itself and um, what's important to, to think about with regards to Venus is, you know, we can only really find partners to care about us when we love ourselves. So there is a saying saying hurt people hurt people. And this is very true from that point of view. So the first, the, the first step in terms of that attraction and, you know, being someone that other people want to be around or lovers or friends or family is really that self-love it's like you know do you love yourself do you care about yourself um or don't you because that's really where it starts from remember in um, hermetic ideology as above so below as within so without so whatever's going on inside you is going to reflect on your universe around you and vice versa so whatever we become we attract 
wherever we dwell on, we attract, and where our energy, where our thoughts go, our energy flows. So it's very much what you focus on will start to uh, come into being. And um, I'm not suggesting that if you start thinking about becoming a millionaire, you're going. That's going to happen. What I mean is, it's more about if you start thinking about the wrong things. If you if you have a very negative attitude, you'll quickly notice that people don't want to be around you. Um, friends won't want to be around you. Um, partners won't want to be around you. Family won't want to be around you if you're if you're very kind of negative viewpoint. Um, whereas if you're kind of a happy expansive individual uh, you'll find that you you do get a lot more um people will enjoy your company and they'll they'll be around you and um venus rules the heart chakra and, the, and also the throat chakra so it's kind of speaking from the heart speaking with clarity and strength but also helping us to heal um the, the, the broken heart it can give us strength to heal friendships that we've left by the wayside and also, obviously, as I said, help us to realise the importance of existing friendships and family and etc. It's very much associated, as I said, with the power of attraction and magnetism as well. So things like lodestones, which is a natural magnet, it's a magnetic stone you can buy, would fit in very well with this particular planet. And Venus actually does have properties quite similar to Jupiter in that you can use it to attract things, not necessarily love or friendship. Um, you can use it to attract things like money as well if you want to. Um, green is the colour of Venus, obviously, which is kind of connected with, with the colour of money, in, in particularly in the US, um, not in the UK. But um, it's very much this idea of monetary value, currency, and all of that is really this it's, it's an energy it's the solar energy that's been transformed into, you know, goods that could be, um, could be corn, it could be wine, it could be something else, and we are drawing that out. Um, as with the majority of, um, as I've mentioned before in in one of the previous episodes, when we're working with different planets, you would normally, to attract, you would normally work within the waxing moon. And for more sort of protection type magic, you would work within a waning moon. And so, you know, so, you, so if you're attracting something, for instance, if you want to attract love, you would create a talisman um, in a waxing moon to attract that or friendship. Whereas if it was, for, for instance, you want to heal a broken heart because you've just had a, an awful breakup with somebody uh, your partner's left you. Um, it could even be, you know, the death of a relative or something like that. So you've got a broken heart because you're missing them so much. You, you could do an amulet to protect and heal that would be in the waning moon. So that would help be how that would work. Um, Venus magic also tends to work best on Fridays, which is obviously the day of Venus. And the first hour after sunrise is the first hour of Venus on a Friday. So that's generally the best time to do it. You can get away with doing things on, on other days as well um if you especially if you do it on the on the planetary hour and as i said if you look up um you know there's lots of different books with those in but i'll add a link to that on the show notes um venus magic is all about having fun as well so you know it's it's the planet of luxury the planet of sensuality so you know you can go a bit overboard with you know the food and have some wine have some nice music and just kind of get yourself feeling really feeling in a really good place positivity and things that are getting involved with your senses your smell your taste 
touch, nice fabrics and music. And that's all kind of aspects of that Venus. Other um, correspondences, obviously, we mentioned copper, which is the metal, green candles, green silk, um, honey is also very good, and expensive wines, or, you know, like a nice tonic or something, something that's, that's kind of a little bit luxurious, a little bit of a treat would be a good thing to, to work with that as well. And from a planet, from an incense perspective, things like roses, honeysuckle is, is really good um, from that point of view. Um, to finish today's episode, yeah, we can really say that you know, working with Venus is a, is a really good way of bringing that fire of creativity. If we look at Netzach, it's very much an energetic sphere because it's on that pillar of force. So it's that flaming power that's charging down the tree, charging down the lightning flash. And we can use that fire of creativity to bring forth and manifest our ideals and our dreams into reality. Through embracing the love of Venus, we can increase our friendships, our relationships, but most of all, um, begin to, you know, begin to love ourselves more. We don't do that enough. We need to actually start to start to love ourselves a bit more. Look in the mirror and say, "Damn, I'm good looking." You know, that kind of thing. Just try and be, try and love yourself more, and try and focus on yourself in terms of. You know, making sure that you're in a good place and um, making sure that you're you're happy. Because if you're not happy, how can you make anyone else happy? And that's an important lesson to learn with Venus. And also, you know, let that light that we have within us begin to shine so that we bring pleasure to others. You know, be a positive influence on your community and your family. Let that light shine out be radiant and beautiful like the planet venus is like venus also we don't need to follow others you know we can we can go our own way and sometimes it's through going your own way that people will see your light starting to shine and that's how people begin to begin to follow as well because they'll actually see that that light that you are bearing a light and you're doing something different and that's how anything new anything exciting um, in the world has come about because somebody decided to follow that creative fire and let that fire out and shine because everyone's got a secret talent everyone's got a secret creativity and imaginative ideas but um, we hide them so often so let's just release that light and release that creative power into the world that's all we've got time for tonight. Thanks so much for joining us this week on the Occult London podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please make sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk. Thanks. Bye-bye.